This podcast may contain explicit language and themes, so listener discretion is advised. Ill-advised, misinformed, our half-baked opinions will be performed. Are you ready? Is the mic on? Welcome to the Hill to Die On. You're listening to Hill to Die On, a podcast hosted by two stubborn as shit Aussies who give hot takes on a different topic, go away to dig deeper, and then reconvene to share whether or not their hot take hill was worth dying on. We're your hosts, Boss Babes, Josie Spicer and Cara Brooks. This week we're asking the question, can our pets understand us? But before we get started with today's episode, just want to say a big welcome to our new Fanny Candida, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Oopsie whoopsie. Eric became a Fanny Candida. So, I mean, you don't have a pet per se, so you'll have to use your imagination here. Do you think our pets can understand us? Yeah, I do. Do you think our pets can understand us? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I guess I'll go through my justification. Um, I don't have any specific instances that I can give you, like I'm sure you will have with your cat meal house. So basically, I was thinking about this question and I figured, well, communication is just responding to some sort of stimulus or, you know, like signals and whether that's sound or gestures or whatever. And, you know, we can train our dogs to sit using hand gestures. Uh, We can call our dogs to us. I was thinking about just the nature of pets themselves and like why we have cats and dogs and birds to an extent as pets is that we're more likely to want to have animals that can communicate with us to some extent. Like you wouldn't just want like a fucking snake. Pet snakes probably can't communicate with us, but um, your birds and cats and dogs, I think they're specifically chosen because of their capability to communicate. There's going to be like some dude fucking donned in leather being like, my snake can totally understand me. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's a snake guy around that would say that. Um, yeah. yeah, like I think there was that woman who was like, oh, my snake likes to cuddle up next to me. Yeah, to measure you for eating. <laughs> yes, yes. But yeah, that's kind of the basics of my argument. Why do you think our pets can understand us? I think it's like anything. Like you, in, you know, when we were talking about vibes and if you can get vibes from people, and part of it was to do with, you know, nonverbal communication as well and the cues that you have to pick up on, just like on an instinct kind of level. And I think, if anything, pets are more in tune to those kind of instincts because they don't have verbal communication in the yeah. same way. Um, So, you know, they pick up on your tone, on your body language, on your gestures. Um, A lot of pets adapt our behavior in terms of like adapting our neuroses. And Mm -hmm. a a lot of the time people's pets are a lot like them in terms of personality. Like Millhouse is fucking funny and weird, but he's also terrified of the doorbell. And same. Like, (laughs) I think it's behavior that he's learned from me because I get super tense whenever someone's at the door. So he's adapted that as, like, he crawls under the fucking couch when someone rings the doorbell. And he's not scared of people when they're in the house, really. Like, he'll come out and say hello and stuff, but it's more just, like, if it's a stranger or an unexpected guest, which is exactly my attitude as well. I was going to say, it sounds like me. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that, you know, they understand more than you would think, and they understand... You know, if you're talking to them all day, like I talk to Milhouse all the time, I can't see how he wouldn't understand. Like, I don't think they're going to understand every single word or every single thing, but there's a lot I think that he gets. Even last night, I was talking to Hugh about this topic, 
and Milhouse was sitting in the middle of the floor and Hugh was saying that he doesn't think Milhouse can understand him. And I was like, he's smart. Like, you don't, you don't know. He's, he's a smart cat. And then he was like, said something like, oh, can you understand me, Milhouse? And he di- he intentionally like just didn't look at him. Like he was just yeah. like, staring out the window. And I was like, you understand, don't you, Bubba? And then he just like <laughs> turned around and looked at me. And I was like, yeah, he's just ignoring you on purpose because you think he's dumb. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I think they definitely understand basic instructions. Like Milhouse can sit before food. He know like he, they understand expectations of, you mm-hmm. know, like, things that are learned habitually and I think that there's definitely a level like no matter what I call him a lot of the time he knows when I'm talking to him and that's definitely a tone thing so it's like they pick up on your tone of voice and the inflection that you put into words and it might be more that they're understanding that than the words themselves but I don't know man like I still think he knows a lot and I think emotions are another big one with animals as well like I definitely know that the pets I have been around can tell when you're upset they just come and and rest near you and my mother's partner he's terminally ill and I remember he came home from the hospital one time and was very sad and their dog at the time came up and just like rested on his chest like for the rest of the day they definitely know stuff like that yeah like they have they have more of an intuition than people often Mm -hmm. in that sense of like when something's wrong Milhouse did that when um when I had my endometriosis surgery and I was like, on the couch for a few days afterwards and he never, like, he's not a lap cat at all. Like you can carry him around and he's fine. Um, he'll sit in my lap if I'm brushing him, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll sleep like between my legs, like at my feet. Um, but when I was on the couch, he like came in and lay like right next to me, like Aww. curled up right next to me, which that's he almost really never sweet. does. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, they know when something's not quite right or you're not well. Yeah. So like, I don't think they understand, you know, if you're having a political conversation, like I don't think Millhouse is tracking along with that, but I think they understand <laughs> the basics that will get them by and yeah like what's important to them and like I talked to him just conversationally I didn't realize how much I talked to him um (laughs) until you know this fucking pandemic and being home alone all the time and most of the time when I've had because I've had like weird fucking hay fevery shit when my voice has been dropping in and out and I realize that how I know that it's dropping out is because I've been talking to Millhouse. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, who was I talking to to know that my voice is shit? And it's like, oh yeah, I was talking to the cat. It's just nice to have someone else there. Like you're never actually really alone. Like it's no. hard to feel lonely when you have a pet. Yeah. yeah. It'd be really nice if Queensland changed their rental laws so I could have a pet. Or if your landlords were, were nice. So, Kara, we've went away. We've probably watched too many animal videos. <laughs> and now we're back to answer the question or discuss what we found in regards to whether or not pets can understand us. So I'm here today to make many adoring pet owners very defensive and cranky with me. Last time we chatted, I initially answered yes, that animals can understand us. But I think kind of we were then discussing more of what they can understand like what the boundaries are and whether or not they understand us on a deeper level than like what's needed for survival and my hill has changed in that respect and that is no i took a quick poll in a fairly large discord server that i'm a part of and asked if they believe that pets can understand us beyond what we train them and beyond survival and literally everyone except for one person said yes well sorry (laughs) i have some some news for you guys But, you know, because people love their pets, and rightly so, 
and we build connections with our pets and we get to know their little quirks and we feel as though our pets can understand us completely then to say that they can't it sounds like I'm inherently undermining that connection and that's not what I'm trying to do here. It's just simply not scientifically and linguistically possible for our pets to understand us as if we're talking, you and me are talking right now. And that's fine. That doesn't undermine that connection. So for our listeners, if you want a more coherent and entertaining version of my argument, you can basically just listen to the podcast Lexicon Valley. The episode is titled Do Cats Have Language? and it was published on the 27th of October 2020. Lexicon Valley is hosted by Dr. John McWhorter. Uh, he's an associate professor at Columbia University and he researches Creole languages and ha has written a number of super accessible books on language and race relations. I would actually just recommend Lexicon Valley for anyone. It covers so many different topics and is a joy. So he kind of discussed that there were three or four things about human language that are very different to any other species and their own forms of communication and what limits other species from communicating with us. So the first thing is arbitrary labeling. My best kind of understanding on that is there's nothing necessarily inherent to the words we create and their sounds. For example, the word would, W-O-U-L-D. It doesn't look or sound that way to communicate what it means. It's like evolved through time and geography, but like wood doesn't represent a thing. Like it's not a symbol, if that yep. makes sense. It's like more abstract kind of word. Yeah, yeah. And just the structure of like the thing itself doesn't tell us anything about it. Kind of like um, something like zap, like, you know, those kind of things. There's a word for that. I forget what it is, where it's like the word sounds like what it is onomatopoeia yes yeah, yeah. that's on helps having a six-year-old who's learning this shit <laughs> <laughs> under arbitrary labeling we also have ways to arrange words that create new meaning from two other words for example we know over has a meaning and we know look has a meaning but when we combine them to overlook it's not simply over plus look it has kind of mm -hmm. an entirely new interpretation. That's so funny. I was thinking in my head over, like O-V-A, like you know, over and look, I'm like looking at an ovum. Like, <laughs> not sure where this is going, Jace. <laughs> so McWhorter was kind of explaining that no animal has demonstrated that they do this same thing in their own communication, both with us and between others in their species. Some monkeys can combine their calls in what is more of like an over- plus look way, but they never shorten those calls or create new meaning from joining those calls together, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Cats and dogs have never demonstrated that either. It's almost like German where you just keep throwing words together into new bigger words that mean the same thing. <laughs> the second thing that I found, well, no, I didn't find the podcast told me <laughs> was that the second thing that separates human language from the language of other species and that also kind of shows that our pets can't understand us more than what's necessary for their own survival and for the survival of their pack too. Like we are their pack, so they do care for us mm -hmm. and respond to us, but syntax is a huge one. So like humans make long sentences. Even the apes that I kind of mentioned before that combined their calls can only do a few at a time. There's no kind of conversation back and forwards and never as long as kind of what I'm doing now. So when I talk about syntax, I'm talking about the way that we build sentences and the things that we can cram into them is, is a good kind of demonstration of that. So an instance of this is recursion, like sentences within sentences. Kara has a cat. 
Kara, who you know from this podcast, has a cat. Kara, who you know from this podcast, has a cat named Millhouse. Kara, who you know from this podcast, has a cat over there named Millhouse. Like, humans are just absurd with their way of building sentences For and sure. the amount of detail that they can fit into one sentence. But you can also isolate separate things in that sentence. And how much meaning can change based on, like, where things are placed or what order they're placed or the tone used when placing. Or... Totally. It's kind of like dogs can like if they're super well trained and you know your whole life is dedicated to training your dog they can learn uh i think i think he said a thousand symbols oh yeah don't worry i've got figures on it <laughs> you felt, okay yeah, yeah i should have known you're the numbers you're the numbers person around here he was kind of saying they can communicate a lot of what they need to and what we need to for like mutual survival so a huge one sorry just a bit of a sidebar like a huge one that people kept saying in the Discord was that I know my dog knows when I'm sad. And I'm like, hell yeah, they do. Of course yeah. they do. It's so intuitive about that sort of thing. But it's not because you're like, hey, dog, I'm sad. Yeah. And then they understood it. But like... also, like, it, the well being of the person that gives them food is within their interest, too, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's also like, hey, I know you're sad, so I'm going to comfort you. But it's not like, oh, wow, it's so sad that my owner got a 20% pay cut. Fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah, like they don't understand the economy. Like, you know what? I wish that were me. Right. I mean, neither do I. The third aspect of human speech is speed. Uh, no animals, from what we can understand, appear to communicate in speech while also processing the speech as quickly as we can. Mm. There have been myths a few decades, I think that originated in like the 70s, that whales make their low slow sounds to communicate a whole bunch of things but that's never actually really been proven even though it sounds really fucking cool yeah and then the fourth thing is displacement which i feel is probably the easiest one to understand i can say to you remember that time when prince philip had his photo taken in the car and he looked very dead <laughs> the key here is remember that time yeah i can talk about things that are displaced from the current moment and we have at least no evidence that you can talk to an animal or animals talk to each other about a separate time and then the you know would you have shat yourself if you didn't find a toilet in time <laughs> the key here in terms of displacement is would yeah um, so it's like hypotheticals and projections and, yeah. yeah and this i found interesting i i honestly wasn't expecting this no animals have ever been observed to simply sit and chat between themselves mm -hmm. like it's always about their immediate environment and their survival like I, I thought no I kind of thought that they would have been just like chitter chatter so despite there not being a shred of evidence to suggest that cats dogs and even supposedly the more sophisticated animals such as apes can actually understand us or communicate anywhere near our level why do so many people insist that our pets can understand us my theory is that people who insist that their pets can understand their whole sentences are kind of doing the same thing that people who insist that they've seen ghosts, UFOs and Bigfoot do. They look for patterns and ascribe meaning when there isn't any evidence there. And this is kind of backed up by a study from 2014 by Van de and Hemelrick that explored animal studies and the theory of mind, whether a particular animal could attribute certain mental states onto other animals. So that doesn't encompass all that I'm talking about, 
so they looked at all these different studies over a few decades about theory of mind and there isn't actually any irrefutable evidence that showed that primates that were studied can understand the mental state of other primates however there are still these like peer-reviewed studies that say that yes this was observed and so they're trying to find out why like why is it so contentious and what's the point of contention and they noticed several things about the studies. Some experiments were simply not adequately controlled. Some were asking kind of the wrong questions. But the thing that relates to this topic is that experiments are always interpreted in a biased fashion. The study itself called for computer modeling to be a good way to combat these biases to an extent. But the reason I bring this study up is that even in peer-reviewed scientific papers, we see the limits of human interpretation where we try to find patterns and assign meaning to things that could also be attributed to something else. Mm -hmm. So kind of like, yeah, our pets are our best friends. We talk to them and we certainly narrate to them as we go about our daily lives. And so of course we want to think that they totally understand us and they do understand us as best as they can. And that's enough. They still love us and they're still the best. It's just not to the full extent that a human being can. Yeah. And that's kind of all I have. I think that's the point as well is that it's like, you know, it's not saying your pet doesn't love you. Like pets are fully, you know, invested, I think, in our well-being and not always just because we provide them food and shelter. Like I think yeah. they do come to, you know, view you as like a parent figure or a pack. But yeah, it's like the limits are, are questionable. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly had pets where, you know, I feed them too. Or like in the past where I've fed animals and they're like, oh yeah, you're right. But then there are some animals where you definitely have a connection with them mm. more than others, even in like the others around you. So yeah. Yeah. What do you have relating to this week's topic? So I went in a bit of a branched direction. So I looked at like a few different studies of um, experiments that were done trying to figure out how dogs process words and language. Oh, cool. I looked at another study to do with brain capacity. I looked at uh, how cats learn things. I looked at visual versus verbal cues. And then I have a few examples. And then I also looked at why we talk to animals. So there's a fair bit <laughs> to go over. Get into it. That sounds great. Cool. So I read an article on Business Insider by Sarah Sloat. This this study, I feel like there were two studies from what I could gather that were referenced back and forward because it took me a minute where I was like, wait, is this the same study? But one was 2018, one was 2016, and they were studying slightly different things but were conducted in very similar manners. But this was a study at Emory University, it's a 2018 study, where 12 dogs were given fMRIs and basically they were trying to figure out if dogs could differentiate words from non-words. So, okay. you know, like dogs can learn tricks, but could they tell like if you were speaking gibberish or if you were saying an actual word that they should understand and what happens in a dog's brain when it hears a command that it should understand. Ooh. So they would tell them like a familiar word and tell them gibberish. And what happened was that their brains lighted up or there were like greater neural activations when they heard the gibberish, which hmm. is actually the opposite of humans. So when humans hear gibberish we just dismiss it basically whereas when we hear known words we start drawing connections between memories or associations with that word so we would get huh. greater activation on a known word versus gibberish whereas with dogs 
the the theory that they had anyway as to why there was greater activity was that dogs are such people pleasers that they're trying to oh, make no. sense of the gibberish because they don't understand it. So they're, they're like, what's this mean? Yeah, they're like desperately trying to understand a novel word because they don't know that it's just nonsense, you know, whereas a human mind would go, well, that's not even fucking English, mate. Like, <laughs> we just dismiss it. Well, at least white Australians would, yeah. So I thought that was really sweet. That's so sad and sweet. And also, just a side note, one of the dogs in the study was named Velcro, and I thought that was the cutest fucking name. That is actually a really good name for a dog. Right, and it was a mixture of breeds. Like, on the um, on that article, they had photos of each dog that had participated in the study, which was really sweet. And it was a mixture, I believe, of, like, Border Collies, Golden Retrievers, Labradors. So you're pretty standard. But also pretty brainy ones, too. Yeah, but not, but not like Poodles. Like, Poodles are supposed to be the smartest, and Dalmatians are the dumbest, I believe. Oh, really yeah so it's it wasn't going into the extremes it was sort of your mid-range dogs but yeah labs and stuff are pretty smart because they're guide dogs like you've got to be pretty intelligent yeah so anyway yeah that that article was interesting i then read an article in scientific american that was called yes we communicate with animals by denise d cummins and she described a video from an NPR web series called Skunk Bear, which just made me think of like oh, Skunk Cabbage Ape or whatever the fuck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the host, Adam Cole, tells his dog to sit and the dog sits and Cole then says that this is not evidence that the dog knows English. And Denise, who wrote this article, argues that actually it is. She said the dog's behavior shows he understands the concept of sitting. He's capable of distinguishing verbal signal sit from other verbal signals and capable of connecting the two. That makes sense. Yeah, so it's like in that sense, your dog does understand you, like when you give it a cue and it follows the cue. Well, it's kind of like, sorry, I'm just like wondering. So, you know, if someone told me to sit in French, I wouldn't fucking know what to do. But yeah. I'd have to learn the French word for sit and connect the two to be able to follow that instruction. So that does make sense that that dog would know English in that exactly. specific instance. And because there's some arguments that I'll get to in a minute of like understanding the visual cue over the verbal cue. But there's some dogs and I've had dogs like this where you literally can just say the word sit and they sit. Yeah, so, totally. Like, there's no other cue involved. They are understanding that word and they know what that means. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, there's a limit, obviously, of what they're understanding, but it's still, that's understanding. So, in an institute in Germany, there was a border collie named Rico that was taught the meaning of 200 words. He could even use the process of elimination to figure out unfamiliar words. Huh. So, an example of that is that, you know, they would give him a, a ball, which was a familiar word. And there would be stick, which is unfamiliar. And the trainer would say, get the stick. And he'd fetch the stick. So he could even remember new words after a month of not hearing them as well. But so in That's that sense, awesome. it's like he used the process of elimination to go like fetch the, like he's knowing what, you know, fetch is. And then mm -hmm. it's like, well, he didn't say ball. And I know that's the ball. So this must be the stick. Like, yeah. that takes some sort of cognitive reasoning, you know? Absolutely. So in February 2011, in a peer-reviewed science journal, Behavioral Processes, a border collie named Chaser was reported as having learned 1,022 words. Ah, that's probably the dog that old mate was referring to. Exactly. There was a little bit in that article about EQ, so um, encephalization quotient is what it stands for. Okay. So when they measure your EQ, if you have a 1.0 EQ, that means the species on average has a brain size that would be expected given its body size. So okay. proportionate, right? 
So if you have a 2.0, that means your brain is twice as large as it's expected to be. So dogs have an EQ of 1. Okay. 1.0. So it's exactly what you would expect for their size. Chimpanzees, 2.5. Jesus. Yeah. Dolphins, 5.3. The fuck? Humans, 7.5. <laughs> oh, shit. So, okay. Yeah. So even people, like human people, with, well, obviously... <laughs> Um, so even people with a low iq can master the complexity of human language the key is the way the human brain is genetically wired for communication so you know people even with genetic disabilities and issues like that a lot of the time like even if you have you're developmentally disabled like intellectually disabled you still can master english you might not have as much of a comprehension like you're not going to pursue a phd but you can still easily have a conversation and understand Understand what people are saying to you and communicate back like you can communicate your needs and we have different technologies to enhance that as well exactly so apparently there's it's to do with a gene that's called i don't know if it's supposed to be pronounced by letters or what but i'm just going to call it the fox p2 gene and people have a highly developed fox p2 gene okay that apparently like over you know generations of humans has has developed further um and there was a quote to do with that that said it's not reasonable to expect other species that have the more ancient form of this gene to master the grammatical complexity of human language, and it is not reasonable to expect other species with a smaller EQ to grasp the abstract concepts that humans readily grasp, but you can expect to communicate with them about concepts that are well within their mental capacity using simple language. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's basically just like arguing with people on the internet. You know, you're not going to talk to your pet about the economy or about concepts like atoms or bacteria or things that they wouldn't understand, but they they probably understand things like I care about you, I love you, you know, and they can read your emotional state, know your audience, like read the fucking room and just be mindful about what you're talking to your pet about. Perfectly legal to still talk at your pet. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Then I read an article in National Geographic by Virginia Morell. It discussed a different fMRI study, but pretty similar. But this one was in 2016 in Hungary and 13 dogs were tested and they were looking at how does a dog's brain process the information. So they found that dogs compile the information and the meaning of a word separately which is similar to what humans do and is how we comprehend language. So dogs can not only tell apart what we were saying and how we're saying it, but they can combine the two for a correct interpretation of what those words really mean. They, they first take the emotional component, so tone, pitch, etc., and then the words meaning itself, and then they can combine them. That's fucking cool. Did did it say what other animals can do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did not. Yeah, I think there's definitely like emotional intuitiveness with animals, but that's not the same as, you know, verbally being cognizant of what you're saying. And this reminds me of something that I came across while kind of looking through this, and I, I didn't know where to fit it in to this episode, so I'm kind of glad I'm hitting on it, but... I think that might have something to do with the fact that there's evidence to show that like humans chose wolves and, you know, would bring the puppies back. So that's why we now have dogs that will work with us and, you know, they want to please humans. Mm -hmm. But cats just were like, hey, we're chilling out and we're chilling out near your place where you have food. And eventually like the cats got small enough that we're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. My understanding from that is that cats have never had to please us in the same way that dogs kind of were bred 
to help us totally like cats were always independent and then we were just convenient (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, which you know i can still see so the next one that i read was another national geographic article by christine delamore and it was called what do cats think about us you may be surprised which that's (laughs) fucking clickbait if i ever saw it (laughs) i also want to know what cats think of me right (laughs) tell me please i'm so insecure (laughs) yeah so dogs versus cats so dogs see people as different to dogs right so when a human approaches a group of dogs the dogs will treat the human differently to how they treat each other right how how dogs play with each other is different to how a dog plays with a human like they very much see humans yeah in a different hierarchy and in a as a different species however Mm. cats just see us as big clumsy cats so, oh my god that makes so much fucking sense right and that's why they're so irritated by us i, I was like why clumsy it's because we trip over them and they don't trip over us <laughs> like because they're walking amongst our fucking feet and they don't see why that's a problem because we're a cat like we should understand <laughs> so i think in the same way that we project things onto them they're projecting things onto us too you know but cats use uh straightforward learning they learn how their owners react when they make specific noises and they learn how to use that vocalization to get what they want they what? also learn, yeah, they also learn what works with what person and treat us accordingly. <sighs> the manipulative little fucks. And I know that's true because Milhouse does exactly fucking that to me and Hugh. Like he treats us both very differently. And he How does. Dare. Yeah, and he does like according to what is in his best interest. <laughs> so, like, for example, last night we ordered pizza. And he came and sat next to me and stood on his back legs and kept tapping me as I was eating, trying to drag my hand towards his mouth. He doesn't do that to Hugh because he knows that I will give him some pizza and Mm. Hugh will not. So (laughs) there's just like certain things that like he knows. And if he if he's tried a few times with me and it doesn't work, he'll try it on with Hugh. He's like me as well. Yeah. And he usually will like go to bed with me, but he will go to Hugh first thing in the morning because Hugh often gets up before me. So I go to bed well after Hugh. So he'll stay up with me. And then yeah, he'll like sit at Hugh in the morning being like, get up and feed me, please. Um, He also slaps me as I walk around the house. Yeah. Why? Um, he does it to play. Like, he's like, I gotcha. Like, and he'll, you can chase after him. Like, he just likes playing tag, basically. But he never does it to Hugh. I've not once seen him slap Hugh. <laughs> basically, like, in that article, cats see us as themselves. Dogs see us as different. So that shows what cats think about us. Like, they think yes. we're just stupid and big. And it's also to do, like, I've heard before that cats don't talk to each other. So, like, they only meow to humans. They don't yes. meow to each other. So it's like they'll make noises to each other. Like, sometimes they'll hiss or, like, they definitely communicate in different ways, but they don't ever meow. That's purely something that they've learned to do to get what they want from us. Oh, nice little... Because it would sound like, like little babies. And so yeah. we're like, oh, let me take care of you, little baby. That's it. And it's because we react to it. We respond. And so they feel, I guess, like they're communicating. <sighs> Look, I'm impressed. Then I read a sciencemag.org article by Dave. David Grimm, which is a great name. Nice. So Carl the cat (laughs) was a subject of research and basically the assistant held Carl and the researcher said Carl and pointed at an overturned cardboard bowl. The assistant then let go of Carl and Carl goes to look at the bowl. So basically it's a test and they were saying that toddlers pass easily. Most other animals fail, including chimps. Dogs pass because they're socialized to and cats pass but it was surprising because exactly what you were saying before they have antisocial ancestors they're not socialized to 
So it's showing some level of like understanding that we're saying you need to go here and they're understanding it. Like that's, that's taking some level of of intent and projection. Like that person wants me to look in here, but why? And they're, and they're curious. I wonder if they did the test without saying Carl and pointing, would he still just go and look because it's something overturned. It's like when you shut a door (laughs) in a cat's face, they want into that room. Or a bag. Okay. So the next thing that was a dog named Stella who has a soundboard. So basically Stella is 18 months old. She's a blue healer cross Catahoula. Is that how you pronounce that? I'm not really sure. Yeah, anyway. So her owner is a speech pathologist named Christina Hunger. And at eight weeks old, she started training Stella. So Stella knows 29 words. She uses two-step sequences to communicate. And we like a board that has buttons on it. And there's videos of this online. You can look it up. But the buttons uh, vocalize different things. So it's like just a recording where like Mm -hmm. she'll press a button and it's like, happy, play, come outside like different words she can communicate what she wants and it's crazy because it's showing that she can visualize things that she wants that aren't in front of her so i think it's more about like not just being able to communicate wants, but being able to have wants and desires that aren't so an example like the owner has a fiance named jake and apparently stella pushed want jake come and then waited by the door until Jake gave her belly rubs. <laughs> I don't know if it's this dog, but it was like another speech pathologist person who had like... It's probably the same one. I wouldn't be surprised, but it kept saying, outside, look. Yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah, so that's Stella. Hunger says the way Stella uses words to communicate and the, the word she's combining is really similar to a two-year-old. Like, so from what she experiences at work, working with children. Interesting. And I think this is a perfect example of, like, there's just limits. It's like they can understand to a point, but it's very limited, like, their scope and capacity for what they can understand. And maybe, Mm -hmm. like, a two-year-old is the limit that they will ever reach. Like, they're not going to advance to, you know, an adult or even a five-year-old. But at least that's something. For that brain size, is is it the EQ or whatever you're talking about? Yeah. Like, that's still very fucking impressive that it can do that. For sure. Yeah, totally. So the last article that I read was in the Atlantic and it was called Why Do Humans Talk to Animals If They Can't Understand? And it was by Ariana Rebellini. Basically, humans are natural anthropomorphizers. So we (laughs) tend to ascribe all kinds of thoughts and meanings to other things in our life, even inanimate objects. Hell yeah, Um, we do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So one of the things it said, and I I was laughing because I was very similar to the author in this regard, because in studies it had saying we rarely ask open-ended questions and most of our questions are to dogs which i imagine is people being like are you a good boy who's a good boy kind of stuff whereas right. i was like nah that's not me like i'll get home and be like how was your day to millhouse like yes. i'll talk to him <laughs> yeah. like he was a person and the author was the same like she said she talks to her cats as if they're people and will ask how their day was and stuff and i was like oh thank god i'm not the only person that's that mental but it was saying that there's two reasons that that we do this like that we you know anthropomorphize our pets and one is lacking social interaction Um, So we create a human to hang out with. Um, And the second is lacking control and wanting to feel secure. Oh, no, Kara. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. This doesn't sound at all like me, right? (laughs) Um, So anthropomorphizing allows us to predict an animal's actions or thoughts based on interpersonal experience because we believe they understand or we like to believe they understand because the alternative is scary. Oh, yes. And I think that's really fucking hits home because I was like, I think of example, my fear of spiders. 
I know that some people can anthropomorphize spiders and talk to them and be okay with it. I absolutely cannot. Mm -hmm. And I find them so unpredictable that it's terrifying. And I think that's part of it is that, you know, I am a control freak as well. And I like to live in a controlled environment where I'm familiar with my surroundings and I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And the thought of my pet being able to understand me and you know, doing the things I predict that he's going to do based on my experience, not just with him, but, you know, social being socialized and knowing how things work, you know, like you have an Mm -hmm. idea in your head of how things work and how people think. And we don't really understand unless we're fucking animal behavioral experts. We don't really understand how our pets think or how they process things, but it's a lot easier if we just lump them into how humans do. And it just like now kind of understanding that aspect, it's, sounds like male house really is the perfect fit for you in your household too because he is someone who like he'll change up his routine but you said he's very like ordered oh totally yeah so i think ultimately what i learned from all of this is that they may not be processing words the same way but we still have a communication system that's based on language whether it's verbal body language whatever it may be and i think that their capacity to understand might be limited in terms of they're not going to understand a lot of things you say to them, but they still have some sort of ability to understand tone. I think they like having a level of socialization where they feel like you're connected to them. Mm-hmm. Like I know Milhouse just likes attention. He likes being acknowledged. Oh yeah. Um, and he knows if I'm talking at him to if I'm just, you know, talking to Hugh or if I'm talking on the phone. If I spend a day at home and I don't acknowledge him, he gets very needy. <laughs> so yeah, hill hill wise, how do you stand on if our pets can understand us? As with all these answers, yes, but with very hard limits. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think I was expecting to find more evidence that they could. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. not that I didn't find any, but I think I just like to think that my pet specifically can understand more than he probably can. Um, and I better understand my reasons for that now. <laughs> um, I think that's the really cool thing that's come out of this topic is that, you know, I was starting to think, do I just, because I currently don't have a pet, do I just like am I so far removed from pet experience that I don't understand like what's going on Mm. like everyone's saying yes my pet understands me but now it's kind of like yeah no like we want our cat and our dog to be the smartest of dogs and we've experienced a connection with them that is legitimate and genuine so of course you're going to project more onto them as well totally so thanks for chatting next week we will be asking the question did Hitler really die in the bunker but until then you can find us on twitter at a hill to die on pod you can like us on facebook at a hill to die on you can look at our website hill to die on pod.com you can shoot us some money on patreon which is patreon.com slash a hill to die on pod you can send us an email which is checked regularly hill to die on pod at gmail.com and finally our instagram is a hill to die on pod and we'll be posting cat of the show millhouse this week i I don't think we've introduced you all to him (laughs) i'm sure i have some fucking choice pictures of him as well so see ya bye